Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. quick question for you as we start uh, this morning. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word church? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to tell your neighbor, what do you think of when you hear the word church? Go. So now my prayer is that if you're sitting, if you're a brand new and you are sitting beside somebody who attends Bethel on a regular basis, I hope they said something very good. Um, But if you're sitting beside somebody who's never been to church before, who's never um, stepped foot in church, or if you ask this question to your neighbor, you may get the answer something like this. If you ask a non-believer, somebody who hasn't been to church in a long time, what do you think of when when you hear the word church? Many of them will say the word boring. I appreciate the laughter in the room. That lets me know that we're not boring, I hope. Uh, my goal is not to be boring. If it was a boring church, I wouldn't want to go. And so I try to keep it, hopefully, a little bit uh, entertaining. And if people keep calling miter saw meter saws, then we are great. <laughs> and Pastor Carlo is not in here, so I can actually say whatever I want. This is going to be a great service. He said he's cracking, cracking jokes in the first service, so I am. I'm going to see if I can get them back sometime through this. Lord, I pray you just give me fresh revelation (laughs) and humor just at the cost of Carlo. In your name, amen. Actually, now that I think about it, I think he's in the nursery, which means he's actually getting a live feed, so he actually just heard all that. (laughs) But see, I don't think church is supposed to be boring. I don't think church is supposed to be dead. Another thing you'll hear some people say is, it's just a building. And I believe that we're supposed to engage people and encounter them and bring them into the house of the Lord. Now, when we think of even buildings, of course, we have beautiful buildings. But do you know that for the first 300 years of the church's life, there were no buildings? So it it was not about a building. It's about us. And so it's not necessarily about this building. What could it be about? And so this morning, I just want to touch on five things that the church is about. Now, there could be many more. So if I rhyme off five and you're like, oh, we forgot about this, I may have forgot or I may have just left it out. I'm going to go with I left it out because I don't forget anything. Amen. Amen. Yes. (laughs) So there are many things to look at. So the first one I want to look at is this. I want to look at the church is supposed to be friends. We're supposed to be friends. Jesus calls us friends. In John 15, 15, it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. We are supposed to be called into a friendship, not just with Jesus, but with each other. We are supposed to be friends with each other. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to do this Christian life alone. We're supposed to live with each other, we're supposed to help each other, not literally live with each other. I'm happy with my family in my house. Um, 
realize how that was. Whoa, love you all. Um, but we're supposed to live this life together. We're supposed to walk together. We're supposed to journey together. We're supposed to be friends together. Jesus himself says, I call you my friends. Now, I need to explain this to you. When you hear the statement, Jesus calls you his friend, I believe you should have a huge smile on your face and there should be joy inside of you because what you need to understand is I'm not saying this random dude named Jesus calls you friend. I'm telling you that the king of the universe, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, calls you friend. I don't know about you, but I have some good friends. None of them top that. None. Including Pastor Carlo. <laughs> Jesus calls you his friend. That alone, that alone should make your life unbelievable. If you wake up in the morning and you're not sure what to give God thanks for, he's your friend. He calls you friend. That blows my mind that he calls me friend. And see, here's the thing I love about it. We sang, in the song, we sang, I am who you say I am. I am who he says I am. And if you're like me, I'm thrilled that I am who he says I am because I know what this says I am, and I'm sure there's other people that have wonderful things to say what I am. But I go by what God says that I am. Do you know that if you have that confidence, if you understand that you are who he says you are, you are a child of God, you are a man of God, you are a daughter of God, you are a woman of God, you are a son of God, there's power in those statements. There's strength in that. You can walk in that confidence because you know who your daddy is and you can have just, I don't know what you, anybody ever remember as a kid, my daddy can beat up your daddy? My daddy's God. Done. <laughs> These are the things that we can walk in this confidence. I am who he says I am. And because of who he says we are, we need each other to walk in that confidence. Do you know that when you come into this place, you come to encourage one another. We come to lift each other up. One person said it this way. There are two things you can't do alone. You can't get married alone. The first group laughed at that a little bit. Obviously, some of you think you can get married alone. You can't. Sorry, sorry to break some bubbles this morning, but you can't. You can't get married alone, and you can't be a Christian alone. Those are two things you can't do alone. You're not supposed to be a Christian by yourself. We cannot do this journey by ourselves. The way the social media is, we can connect with each other so easily, so quickly, but we're not connected. Right now, on the climb of social media, as it climbs how much social media we have to connect with each other, at the same rate, loneliness is climbing in our society. So we are the most connected and the loneliest we've ever been. So I can reach out to anybody in this room in a minute, in a second, I can pull up my phone, I don't even have to text, I just say, hey Siri, Text Pastor Carlo. Tell him to get his work done. And as we do this, we're connected quickly, but we don't know each other. 
As you look through this room, there's many people that you may have even had coffee with, you may have had lunch with, you may have dinner with, but do we actually know each other? In a society today, we hide everything. In a church, we don't feel like we can share our struggles because what if they find out I'm not perfect? I'm not perfect. My first reaction a lot of times in my head is, oh, punch them. Right? Like, we fight who we are on the inside and we praise God because he still calls us friends. This is who we are. This is why we do this together because I have friends in my life that go, Chad, it's better if you don't punch. I'm serious. I got friends. I go play in the Bible college hockey tournament. The president of the Bible college walks over. So, Chad, you going to stay on the penalty box? Yeah, buddy. Last couple of years, I've stayed out of the penalty box. Thank you. I haven't been on the ice when the excitement's happening, so I can't really have a choice, but it's thanks to God's peace and his, like he's looking out for me. We'll just keep Chad off the ice for this shift. But these are the things. We need each other. I need people in my life to walk up to me and say, that's going to be a dumb choice, Chad. Don't do that. I need people that I can go to and ask a question and say, Hey, what do you think if I do this? I think it's a great choice. Okay, good. What if I do this? Well, have you thought about this and this and this? Oh, no. I don't know if you're ready to make a choice yet. Yes, that's good advice. Who do you have in your life that you can ask advice from that actually gives good advice? Don't ask somebody, don't ask somebody who has a bad marriage for marriage advice. I'm being serious. Don't ask somebody who has kids that are out of control for parenting advice. Right? Like, don't ask an alcoholic for advice on addictions. We have to be aware. We do need help. We do need mentors. I have mentors in my life for all different areas of my life. I have mentors in my life for marriage. I have mentors in my life for parenting. I have a different mentor in my life for uh, finances. I have a different mentor in my life for leading a church. I have a different mentor in my life for leading staff. I have a different mentor in my life for preaching. Because they're not all good at all of it. Find mentors, find people you can ask and go, hey, what would you do in this situation? Because he'll teach, he'll help. He wants to help you. He doesn't want you to be alone. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, he's saying, some people have just given up coming together. Don't do it. Don't give up meeting together, but encourage one another, because your faith will never survive on your own. It will dwindle out. We come together to encourage one another. You are here to encourage other people. What would next Sunday look like is as you drove into the parking lot and got out of your car and was walking into the building, you asked God this. God, what can I do for you today as I come into the church? God, I don't believe this Sunday is for me. It's for somebody else. What can I do for you? What if you're here this morning not to get anything from anything? Maybe you're already like, oh, I didn't sing any of my favorite songs and Chad's already preaching too long. Maybe you're here to shake somebody's hand and say, hey, I didn't see you here last week. I missed you. 
Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you might walk out and be like, oh, I didn't really get anything from the message today. Maybe you weren't supposed to. Maybe you were here to minister to somebody else. In society today, it goes against everything. We live in a society of what about me? What do I get? Man, they didn't start handing out mint smoothies till after I was here a year. <laughs> just like the banks, only new customers get stuff. I don't think you as customers, just for the record. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> what if it wasn't about us? Can you imagine, honestly, just as a pastor for a minute, can you imagine as a pastor asking for volunteers for something? And at the end of the service, going back to a sign-up sheet and seeing it full? Do you know what that means? That means I can spend my time planning and preparing for things that God has asked me to do instead of trying to call and beg people that attend the house of God to help at the house of God. Do you know how much time I pay staff to beg people to serve in the house of God? This wasn't the first sermon, so I thank this for you guys. But it's, you don't understand how much time we invest in just trying to find people to help. Think of how much work and how much vision as pastoral staff we could do if we didn't have to constantly be searching for people. Sign-up sheets are at the back. You can do it while I'm preaching. I'm just, as the scripture says, Spurring one another on to good deeds. Totally lost my spot. We need to encourage each one another. Coming together with friends, it's encouraging. It's how we build each other up. The second word is, in a way, it's even more exciting for me. It's more amazing for me that we're not only friends, but we are family. We are family of God. We come together, and as we join together, we build each other up as family. I don't know about you. Some of you have grown up in this area. Some of you are sitting with not only your kids, but you're sitting with grandparents. You're sitting with there's generations. My wife is here, and my in-laws live within an hour, which is a good thing. But my family, my parents, and my sibling, my brother, they live eight hours away. This is my family. Some of us, we sit in this room and we're, you're the only one here. And family lives so far away. And you're like, I just, I just wish I felt like family. For those that are here and you have family around you, can I encourage you? Just open your arms a little bit wider and suck a couple more people into that family that need family. You'd be amazed how the church just, just builds each other up when people feel loved and they feel a part of a family. Because how many in this room... Everybody in this room, I, don't even, I won't even get you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you, everybody in this room just wants to feel like they belong somewhere. We all do. And that's what the church is for. 1 John 1, 5.1 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. We are together just by loving. We believe in Christ, therefore we are a part of his family. I love the church because it's my friends. I love it because it's my family. 
And I love it because this one other word that's used in the New Testament, it's home. It's home. This is home. When you walk through the doors, I don't know if you've ever walked through the doors and you just kind of say, like, you think to yourself, you may even say, oh, this just feels like home. This is God's house. He invites us into his home. He invites us in. He brings us in. He wants us to be a part of his family. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22 says this, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you, in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's spirit lives in us. He dwells in us. We are his home. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle, in the midst. So when we come together on a church, when we join together for a Sunday morning service, what happens is the whole Trinity shows up. God the Father's here, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that's why when people walk through our door sometimes, they're like, it feels different. I feel happy. I don't understand it. When I'm in the service, I'm happy and I'm smiling, but tears are coming down my face. And I love it when people, they just honestly don't know. And you're able to share with them and just express and explain. That's just the presence of the Lord. His presence brings joy to your spirit in such a way that it doesn't know how to respond, so it's smiling and crying all at the same time. Because what you've been searching for your whole life, you've just found it. You just found it, and your spirit is so excited because your spirit is now connected with the Father again. That's what this church, this is what the home of God is all about. We come together for these reasons. The fourth thing is the church is Jesus. Jesus. As a church, we represent Jesus, Christ's body to the world. We should be united as we are Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. As you accept Jesus into your life, you are a part of the body of Christ, just like that part of the body. You don't really get to have a say in it after you accept Jesus. You can't really be like, Jesus, I want you in my life, but I want nothing to do with the body of Christ. It doesn't work that way. That's like somebody coming up to me and be like, Chad, really want to be friends with you, love hanging out with you, can't stand Melissa. <laughs> if you're new, Melissa's my wife, just to... <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. Right, like if you have a friend in your life that can't stand your spouse, you need to get rid of the friend. Right, like, <laughs> there we go. Right, like you have to realize something that you can't have one and not the other. And so it's just like Jesus, you can't love Jesus and dislike his church. It's his bride. Yeah, but you, know how, you don't know how I've been hurt by the church. Okay. Are you a person? Because I'm a person. I just screw up and hurt people because I make mistakes. Do you ever make mistakes? Oh, somebody made a mistake. Extend forgiveness. Yeah, but you know what they said. I understand that. You don't know what said, has been said to me. It's offense. We have to deal with it. We have to get it out of our lives. I said it a few weeks ago. I'll say it every Sunday. Extend the grace you want extended to you. I don't know about you, but when I mess up, I'm like, Melissa, why are you so upset? Everybody makes mistakes. 
She makes a mistake. I'm like, come on, are you serious? Not a meter saw, a miter saw. Stick to your... Thanks, Carlo. Oh, stick to your nose, Chad. Keep you out of trouble. Jesus is the head. We're the body. Together we make Jesus to the world. This is how the world will see Jesus. He, the world will see Jesus through you. What kind of Jesus are we presenting? This is the church. This is who we are. What, is the, what does the world see? How does the world see Jesus through us? We have, to, we have to watch, question, like, okay, God, how are we painting this picture for you? It's interesting when Jesus came. Jesus, understand me, I'm going to tread gently. Understand me, I believe in the word of God. It's powerful that this is the word of God. But when Jesus came, he didn't write a book. He started a community. He formed a community. And from that community, they taught us and showed us what to do. So as a community, we need to love people. We need to work with people. We teach them what Jesus said and why, why he said it. But we do it through community. We don't do it through a lecture. We do it through love. And I just want to share some statistics with you because as we talk about the church, as we talk about the house of God, there's this sense because of news today that our world is just going to the pits and the church is dying. Now, I'm not going to say the world's not going to the pits, but I want you to know the church isn't dying. The church is far from dying. Oddly enough, we just don't hear about it in the news. So I want to just share some statistics with you. Everybody good with that for a minute? Since 1970, the Christian church has grown by over 1 billion new Christians. Tens of thousands of people are becoming Christians every day. Today, tens of thousands of people around the world became Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. There are church doors closing. There's some countries that it's dwindling, but there's other countries it's exploding. I have a picture I want to show you. It's from Rio in 2013. Also, as we're doing the reno here to the sanctuary, I just want you to know we're getting brand new projectors, so you'll actually be able to see what these pictures look like. <laughs> but all those, like, blurriness, that's a whole pile of people on a beach. And when you can sign to see these big shapes, those are stages. Because in 2013, it was the World Youth Day, and this is a picture from it, where three million young people came together worshiping Jesus, and it was led by Pope Francis. The church is thriving. Three million people showed up to worship the Lord. Now, we don't hear about this on the news, but the church is growing. Africa in 1900s, 10 million people were Christians. By 2000, 360 million Christians. That's a growth rate of 3,600%. This is where you get excited. If I told you you get a 3,600% raise, you would be doing cartwheels. 3,600% increase. China, in 1940, there was 4 million Christians. Today, 
China experts reckon that there are over 100 million Christians, and China may soon become the largest Christian country in the world. I met a friend at a conference. We're starting to communicate a little bit. He goes to Asia all the time. He travels there and speaks. And he's going to churches where he speaks on a morning to 40 to 50,000 people in one church. And there's multiple churches across the country this size. God is moving. He is growing. We're not the only church at the Festival of Praise. I hope you've been at it. But I've been talking to some of the pastors. We're not the only church growing in town. Other churches are growing. Praise the Lord. We were at our conference and one of the speakers came in and he's not a Pentecostal speaker, so he's not biased. And he said one of the fastest growing churches right now in North America is the Pentecostal or charismatic church. He called us out as leaders and he said, as Pentecostals, you have one of the largest movements in North America and you need to step up. The church is not dying. We hear about all the negativity. If you want to encourage your life, if you just want to become more joyful, Don't watch TV at 6 o'clock at night and 11 o'clock at night. I'm serious. Some people are like, Chad, how do you not know this is going on? And I'm like, I got a big smile on my face. I'm like, I don't watch the news. Yeah, but all this news, I don't even know what's real or fake anymore. I'm not jumping on the whole fake news bandwagon, but honestly, I don't know. So I just live life with a smile and say, God, you got it all under control. It's going crazy. I've read Revelations. I'm okay. It ain't crazy. Revelation goes nuts. We're actually, if you read Revelations, what we're going through right now seems pretty good. <laughs> but there are times that it's coming. So here's my question for you. As the church is growing, what if we take, what if we think of it differently? Just as a church for a minute. I'm going to bring it right back to Bethel for a minute. What if we think about reaching Stratford in a whole different perspective? What if we ask God for 10%? of Stratford, a tithe. Many of us, if you attend church, you give God 10%. It's just a number. We give tithe to the Lord. We give tithe from our income, and here it is. We take up an offering. Here's 10% of my income, God. Here it is. Why is it crazy for me to think to God, hey, God, give me 10% of Stratford? 10%. We'll take 10% of Stratford. I was trying to figure out the attendance, or like the population in Stratford, and I kind of guessed somebody having a wonderful phone asked Siri. Siri told them that our our population in Stratford is uh, 31,400 and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> I didn't write down the rest of the numbers. But now we are talking about a church then of, say, 3,100 people. I was talking to a pastor at Festival of Praise, and he actually had the same idea. He brought it up. And he was like, you know, I just started pitching to my church. What if we asked for a tithe of Stratford? 10%. Do you understand something? With all the churches in town, if we all got 10%, there'd be revival in our city. 10%. Now, I know there's people in the room that Chad, you don't need to talk about numbers, but I'll tell you something. I will never apologize for trying to get people saved and into the kingdom of God. And I will pray for salvations. 3,100 people. It's not about having a church of 3,100 people. It's about getting, I'm going to guesstimate how many people we've had this morning. And it's guesstimating, I'll say, all right, let's say we had 300 and some people here this morning between both services. So we're asking 
for another 2,800 people. Why not? Amen. Or do a lot, crazy amount of services. There's sign-up sheets at the back. But seriously, one of those guest speakers we had at the, church, at the conference, his church sits, he sits around the same amount of people. I think they sit around 400 people. They have 11 services on a weekend. Because they prayed and they believed for revival. And one of his staff members showed up and he said, I had this dream where I saw these lights. And it was for as long as I could see, these car lights were all signals. Their blinkers were going, trying to get into our parking lot. And finally to a point where people were parking their cars and just running. I forget what it was. A few months later, they had this, they advertised, they were doing this big event. And they called the pastor aside. They're like, you got to come see this. And they came running out and both, looking both ways for as long as they could see it was blinkers. And people were parking their cars and running in. And he said, when the glory of the Lord shows up, he said, you're not even doing salvation calls. People are literally just yelling, I just need to give my life to the Lord. The way he expressed it was basically, pastor, shut up so I can give my heart to the Lord. That's the glory of God. That's the house of the Lord, being the house of the Lord, being the light of the Lord, walking through the city and transforming lives because when people step foot on the grounds, when you walk by them, they feel the presence of the Lord and they just go, I need that. Because your neighbors are searching for it. Maybe you're here and you're searching for it. You know there's an emptiness in your heart. And the whole time I'm talking, you're like, something's just stirring. You might even feel sick in your stomach. It's just the Holy Spirit going, this is you. He is talking to you. You might even be getting uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit is drawing people to the Lord. We don't have a choice. If you're the body of Christ, you don't have a choice. You're in it. And so as a body of Christ, we also don't want to be divided. See, here's the interesting thing. If we do the math, there is plenty of people in this city for every church. I pray that every church experience revival because I honestly don't think we can hold them all. I pray that Jubilee and Citygate and Elgin Missionary and Memorial and all the others, because I'm going to forget some, so I'll just say all of them, experience revival because I just want to see our city saved. But the only way that's going to happen is if we understand that it's through us that Jesus lives in us and he empowers us to do this. See, John 17, 20, 21 says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I'm believing for the ones still to come. I'm praying for the ones still to come. The ones that you haven't even spoke to yet. That's who Jesus is praying for. See the interesting statement, a divided world demands a united church. The churches can't be against each other. Our world is divided. They need to see unity. Paul says, consider others 
better than yourselves? Do you pray for other churches? Do you believe that other churches may be better than us? I do. I pray for them. I think of them as greater than us. I want to see revival in our city. The last one is love. The church should be famous for its love. We are not, oh my goodness, we are not a museum that displays perfect people, but a hospital which welcomes the hurt and broken and services an expression, services an expression of our love. We serve others because we love them, because we love them. We are not, if you were here today and you were looking for a church with perfect people, I will direct you elsewhere because I am not perfect and they let me stand up here weekly. If you're looking for a church with perfect people, this ain't it. If everybody's honest with one another, we are just broken people. Just broken people trying to figure this out and love God as we go. And I don't know about you, but I thank him every day for his mercy and his grace. He's such a loving God. Ephesians 5, 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to represent her, or present her to himself as a radiant church without a stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who love, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. So, for we are members of his body. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. Never really picked up on this verse before. We read through all of it. It's great recommendations for marriage. It's a great idea for marriage. But I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. Did you give yourself up for the church? Did you give yourself up for Christ? Do you lay down your life for Christ? This is a profound mystery, but I am actually talking about Christ in the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I'm talking about the church, but it's great advice for marriage. This is what Paul's saying. I never caught it before. We read it about marriage, and we're like, oh, this is marriage. Paul says in verse 33, oh, well, this is good advice for marriage, but I'm actually talking about the church. Do we lay our life down? Do we want to present the church as blameless? Do we want to present the church as without a stain or a wrinkle? Do we want to present the church as holy. Nikki Gumball says this, marriage is like an institution, but if you take marriage as an analogy, if you, you, if you just have marriage but no love, it's kind of dead and dry. Amen? If you just have love without marriage, it's a bit unstable. If you bring lo together the love of two people have for each other, and the institution of marriage, then it is so powerful. It is the same with the church. If you just have the institution of the church, it can be a bit dry. If you just have the love and fire of the Holy Spirit, the faith 
it can be a bit unstable. But bring together the love, the fire, the enthusiasm, and the institution of church, and it is so strong and so powerful. This is what the church is supposed to be. This is who we are supposed to be. It's my dream that our church, we will be one that is famous for our love, a love that is radical, inclusive, unconditional, of people of different backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, lifestyles, and perspectives. This is not a museum for perfect people. We are like a hospital that welcomes the broken and the hurt, the wounded, and helps them find healing. This unconditional love that we present, it will break down barriers and it will put people back on their feet and restore and heal them. We love people enough to allow them to walk in here broken in any circumstances. They walk in broken. But then we walk with them and we love them enough to be the bridge to life with Jesus. This is what we say we are. We walk with them to be the bridge to life of Jesus, taking every step with them and with each other to strengthen each other to get us to where we're supposed to be. We come in broken, but we love, them. We love each other enough to not keep us that way. But we have patience as we do it. Being a Christian means belonging to the church. You don't go to church, you are the church. So just think about it when we talk about serving. You're not on the parking team, you are the parking team. You're not, you're not in kids' ministry, you are kids' ministry. You're not helping Bethel with a kids' ministry or a parking team or fixing Bethel's sanctuary. This is yours. This is ours. This is our church. We do things because of who we are. You are friends with Jesus, so you are a friend to others. You are God's family, so others have family around you as well. Church is a home, so we all feel at home. Church is Jesus, so you are Jesus. Wherever you go, church is love. We are the bride of Christ. Others can get the same experience, this amazing love of Jesus Christ because of how we present it to them. You are loved, therefore, you express love to others. We can see lives transformed, but we just can't do it together. Or we just can't do it on our own. Sorry, it was totally backwards. We can do it together. I'll let Mother Teresa say it. She says this. You can do what I cannot do, and I can do what you cannot do. Together, we can do great things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love and for your mercy and for your grace. Father, I pray that you help me to understand that the fact that I am friends with you, that I get to walk with you, which means I'm friends with others, we encourage one another, we build one another up. That, Father, you want us to be a part of your family, therefore we are all family. Nobody should feel alone that this place is supposed to feel like home. Yes, it's a holy place. It's in reverence to you. But when people walk through that door, they're supposed to feel the peace and the joy of the Lord. And Jesus, we just thank you that you live in us, that so wherever we go, we represent you. Help us to understand that as we take every step of our lives, 
that we are Christ to somebody. We may be the only Jesus they see. Help us to extend the love that you've asked us to extend so people understand how much you love them. You didn't send your son to condemn them. You sent your son to free them and to love them. And so, Lord, protect us and keep us. Hold us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.